This episode is brought to you by our sponsors and by listeners like you on Patreon. Bomba's vision is simple. Make the most comfortable clothes ever and match every item sold with an equal item donated. So when you buy Bombas, you are also giving to someone in need. Bombas has designed their socks, shirts, and underwear to be the clothes you can't wait to put on every day. The Webb family over here has used them, and we love them. They're comfy, fun-looking, and come in family packs, which is awesome. I've never seen that before. I use my Bombas socks when I go on runs, and they're extremely comfortable. Everything they make is soft, seamless, tagless, and has a cozy feel. And the Bombas t-shirts are made with thoughtful design features like invisible seams, soft fabrics, and perfect waist so they hang just right. And did you know that socks, underwear, and t-shirts are the three most requested clothing items at homeless shelters? That's why Bombas donates one for every item you buy. So far, Bombas customers like you have helped donate over 50 million items of essential clothing. Go to bombas.com slash purple rocket and get 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash purple rocket for 20% off. Bombas.com slash purple rocket. Parents, school's out, summer's here, and the kids are back at home with a lot of free time. Go wild with wonder this summer without school. Enroll in a fun, flexible learning experience with over 140,000 online classes and camps for every kid with any interest. Look, as a fellow parent, I get the pressure of finding something engaging and useful for our kids to do over the summer break. OutSchool can help keep them engaged and their minds stimulating their imaginations firing. They offer every kind of class you can imagine, from entrepreneurship to freestyle dancing to art, even magic lessons. There's something for kids of all ages, grades, and interests. We homeschool in the web house, and we plan to get Aurora and Cohen signed up with some out-school activities to keep them engaged in a fun way and help them explore their talents and maybe discover some new ones. Out-school will have your kids loving to learn and having fun doing it. Head over to outschool.com slash purple rocket and use code purple rocket to learn all about out-school summer programs and save $15 on your child's first class. That's O-U-T-S-C-H-O-O-L dot com slash purple rocket to save $15 on your child's first class. Outschool.com slash purple rocket code purple rocket. And don't forget, parents, supporting our sponsors is a great way to support this podcast. And now, back to our show. The Purple Rocket Podcast presents Winnie and the Pixie Knots. Chapter 11 Fairy Grounds just as Theo had warned, the fair was closed early to make way for the construction workers. By the time Jack and I got there, it was deserted. Half-eaten corn dogs and nachos littered the walkways. Stuffed animal prizes were locked up behind counters. Even the drunkards were being swept up by the cleaning crew. I looked through the fence and saw a large bulldozer with a wrecking ball parked at the foot of the carousel. 
It loomed like a tiger waiting to pounce on its prey. Beside it, Rudy was shouting orders to the workers and pointing all over the place. Between harsh shouts, he would clap his hands and laugh at his own jokes. I finally realized what all the fuss was about when I saw what was next to him. Look! I pointed to a sign by the carousel. It read, Live Fairy Exhibit, 500 Tickets. A worker in paint-splattered overalls was adding his finishing touches to the magical dust drawn around the letters. Five hundred tickets? That's like thirty bucks, Jack said. I shook my head. You would focus on that detail. Once he uncovers the fairies, he's going to put them on display like some zoo exhibit. What do we do? Jack asked, with his slingshot loaded and ready. I looked around, considering our options. I wanted to check to make sure all the orchids had evacuated as planned, but there were too many workers by the carousel to try and sneak into their underground lair. Let's start at Theo's booth, I said, nodding to the little shack. He'll know what to do. Trying to stay low, we snuck over the fence and crept behind a few rides until we reached Theo's mystery booth. And of course, he wasn't there. Gotta be kidding me, Jack muttered as we entered from the back. We'll wait for him to get back, I said. He'll be here, he promised. Jack could tell by my tone that I was less than confident. Honestly, I was starting to worry myself. Theo was pretty low on the fair employee totem pole, and I wouldn't have been surprised if Rudy had fired him by now. It was a miracle the mystery booth wasn't the first thing to be leveled by the bulldozer. A faint glimmer coming from the carousel caught my attention. At first, I thought it was one of Rudy's fat rings catching the light, but when I looked closer, my jaw dropped. A few orchid fairies were peeking out of the mirror door. What are they doing? I thought. Something's wrong, I whispered. Jack tried to follow my gaze. What is it? Look at the mirror on the carousel, behind the yellow pony. See it? The orchids didn't evacuate! Oliver should have had them out by now. As if that wasn't bad enough, I saw glowing red eyes blinking in the trees at the far end of the fair. They flickered on and off like crimson fireflies. Oh, we're too late, I said, nodding to the trees. The Lunas are already here, and the orchids are just sitting there like prime meat. Where's Theo? I was starting to panic. Right on cue, Theo came running into the fair and up to the worker at the bulldozer. He handed the man a stack of papers and waited impatiently for him to flip through them. Within seconds, Rudy had grabbed him in a fury. I couldn't hear what they were saying, but it was obvious Rudy wasn't happy. After a minute of arguing, the worker and the bulldozer shook his head and threw Rudy the keys. Rudy yelled at the man, but the worker and the rest of his crew started packing up their equipment and leaving the fair. Rudy was boiling mad. He looked like a curly-haired toddler throwing a vicious tantrum. He kicked the ground, pulled his hair, spat. He waved his arms around and pointed at the workers threateningly as they left the site. He even tried to block their exit, but there was nothing he could do. The workers pushed by him and walked away. Left with no one else to bully, Rudy turned and started screaming at Theo, who just stood there, calm and collected, with his hands resting on his cane. Then, wham! Rudy shoved Theo to the ground. Hey! Jack and I ran toward them. 
Rudy scrambled up onto the driver's seat of the bulldozer and turned it back on. Theo! I yelled. We hopped off the booth's porch and ran to him as he struggled to his feet. With the turn of a lever and a maniacal laugh, Rudy swiveled his cockpit, pulling the wrecking ball back and giving it momentum. We skidded to a stop and watched the ten-ton ball of steel swing back. No! I screamed. Suddenly, a blinding burst of light shone from the carousel, and a cloud of orchids swarmed out the mirror door. Like furious fireflies, the fairies charged the bulldozer and threw their enchanted spears at Rudy. Arrgh! Rudy cried as hundreds of magical thorns stuck him from every direction. He went from yelling furiously to babbling gibberish. I smiled. Stupor dust. Rudy started swinging the wrecking ball all over the place while yelling nonsense and making farting noises. He spastically jerked the controls like he was playing an arcade game. A cracking noise from the surrounding trees interrupted my brief moment of entertainment. But as I looked towards the sound, my smile faded. Back to the booth! Theo shouted. A deafening screech sounded from the trees, and out flew a black cloud of red-eyed, bat-winged lunas. Down below them, dozens of massive dogs with only a few patches of black hair and enormous drooling fangs sprang out of the shrubs. Jack stepped back. No way. I squinted at the beasts. Are those? Theo slowly looked over his shoulder at us. Chupacabras! We ran from the dark army and jumped into Theo's booth for cover as the orchids turned to face the charging Lunas. The Lunas hissed thick trails of black smoke from their mouths that streaked through the air like inky tentacles. The orchid warriors zipped side to side, dodging the deadly corpse curse. Once they were in close, their swords and spears clashed with the Lunas' thorned clubs as they fought hovering and zipping around like hummingbirds. The chupacabras jumped and chomped at the flying orchids. Most of the fairy warriors managed to dodge the snapping jaws, but some weren't so lucky and were snatched right out of the air. I looked up from the madness and saw the empty glass bulb at the top of the carousel steeple. We need to get the queen into that case! Theo eyed my glowing backpack and then, with a proud smile, unsheathed a long sword from his cane. For the queen, he said. Jack loaded two marbles into his slingshot. For the queen, he said, his voice jittery. I tightened the straps on my backpack and put on my glove. Letting out a deep breath, I held up my hand and counted. One. Fallen orchids crashed into the rides and pelted the booth's roof like hail. Two. Stupor spears failed to slow the rabid chupacabras. Three! I pointed my gloved fingers at the Lunas as the red jewels lit up. Thin rays of light flashed from my pointed fingers and cut through the night sky, turning the Lunas in their path into a cloud of ash. Go! I yelled. We charged for the carousel, me blasting my finger rays out in front while Theo sliced chupacabras with his sword and Jack's marbles shot Lunas out of the air. A couple Lunas dove for me from behind. Foom, foom. Two of Jack's marbles dropped them before they could reach me. 
You're welcome, Jack shouted. I turned to look at him. What? I said, you're welcome. Why? Seriously? I just don't never mind. Jack turned and kept firing. The chupacabra lunged for Theo, but he thrust his cane sword into it, rolled onto his back, and kicked the creature over him, sending it crashing into another one. He jumped to his feet and sliced one in front of him, then twirled his sword around and jabbed back into another behind him. Now do you believe me? He called out to no one. He put his hand over his aching lower back and bent over to grab his dirty cowboy hat off the ground. I told you they are real. A hum sounded from the surrounding forest. The action on the fairground slowed as it grew louder. I waited for an enormous swarm of bees to come flying out, but instead the treetop shook and out flew the dandelion clan with Oliver at the head, donning his shiny golden armor. Oliver pointed at us. Guard the pixie knots, he ordered. Hundreds of muscular fairies dressed in red dove for us with their axes. They fell on the surprised Lunas with a ferocious attack. Did you see that? I got that one without even looking, cheered one dandelion. Ha! I just rode on one's back for ten seconds at least, bragged another. I saw a few of them stop as they passed by the reflective metal from the rides to glance at their beautiful reflections and fix any misplaced hairs. Oh, how I loved those vain fairies already. Pretty soon we had a swarm of dandelions surrounding us, gleefully bragging about their every move and freeing us up to continue our charge. The cocky red army deflected the attacking lunas like a force field. To the rear, Oliver ran up the back of a chupacabra and sliced three lunas out of the air with his two swords. He flipped and threw a stupor spear from his back down into the chupa's biting mouth, making it drop to the ground. I stopped just in time to dodge the swinging wrecking ball from Rudy's out-of-control bulldozer that glided by with a groan and came within inches of my face. Fairies and rides were being crushed left and right as the ball pounded through the walkways. I ran and stopped, ran and stopped as it came thundering by every few seconds. One more swing and we were finally out of its reach. On its final pass, I ran for the carousel and jumped onto the black stallion. Winnie, look out! Jack shouted. But it was too late. Two strong hands grabbed my shoulders and yanked me off the horse. I turned and came face to face with... Graham? A familiar red light glowed faintly in the back of her eyes. If I can't have her, no one can! She hissed, tearing the backpack off of me. She turned and ran back into the chaos, holding it tight against her chest. I pointed at her escape. She has the queen! The fighting fairies turned to see Graham running for the exit. The Luna King's eyes glowed bright red the second he saw her. The queen! His whisper pierced through the madness and sent chills down my spine. Dozens of Lunas flew after Graham, who looked back at them with glowing red eyes. No! She's mine! She cried. Before she could reach the exit, the Lunas grabbed her and lifted her into the air, making her drop the bag. Your Majesty! They whispered as they carried her back to the Luna King. Majesty! I'm not the Queen, you fools! Let me go! She kicked her legs, trying to fight herself free. The Luna Queen! Oliver shouted. The what? I looked at him confused 
and then back at my grandma who was being lifted away high over our heads. Then it hit me. With Oliver's shout echoing in my mind, and Graham's glowing red eyes staring down at me, I finally realized what the Orchid Queen was trying to tell me. Graham wasn't my grandma. She was the Luna Queen. Her clipped wings had made her forget everything and grow. She didn't even know who she was. The Lunas flew her over the crowd to the Luna King, who stared at her with his big, dark frog eyes. My queen, he hissed, reaching for her. I said, let me go! A thick cloud of smoke poured out of Graham's mouth and washed over the Luna King's face. The king grabbed his burning face and squealed in pain. Finally, the Lunas let Graham fall to the ground. She fell with a hard thud on the battlefield. At that point, I was already to the backpack with the help of Jack's cover fire. I slid along the ground and snagged the bag, then jumped up and sprinted back for the carousel. Graham looked at me and then up at the glass case at the top of the steeple. An expression of horror crossed her face as she realized what I was about to do. She climbed up into the bulldozer and threw babbling Rudy out over the side. Frantically, she grabbed the controls and pulled the wrecking ball back, taking aim at the carousel. I pushed as hard as I could through the swarms of fighting fairies. The wrecking ball swung back. I counted as fast as I could. One, two, three! Boom! A fiery ray shot from my fingers, threw a few lunas, and sliced the wrecking ball's chain. The giant ball went flying back, crushing the Luna King and his guards before crashing into the trees. Get her! Graham screamed. I jumped from a wooden horse onto the carousel roof and climbed for the steeple. But before I could reach it, the Luna swooped in and blocked my path, hissing and grabbing at my bag. Get your filthy paws off my sister! What the? I turned, and there, standing on top of the fence, was Lou, holding a baseball bat. Since when did we own one of those? Thousands of silver-haired fairies from the Tulip Clan, dressed in a brilliant blue, surrounded her. An especially chubby one with tiny wings floated out in front next to Lou, chomping on a pickle. You're kidding me, I said under my breath. Go get him, Pickles, Lou said, pointing her bat at the battlefield. The fairy rolled his eyes. How many times do I have to tell you? It's Gary. Lou roared. Pickles and the Tulip Brigade came flooding over the fence, joining forces with the orchids and dandelions, all while narrating their every move. I'm going left, watch my right, one would say. This one's a quick little bugger, said another. Watch the smoke, watch the smoke! The whole clan was a flying chatterbox. They fired their bows and arrows at the flustered Lunas and dropped a quarter of the Chupacabras in their first attack. Lou jumped off the fence and swung at the flying Lunas and shouted nonsense like a crazy person. Whack! Wing heads! Crack! Stinky poos! Smack! Pumpkin bots! She swatted Lunas with every swing, sometimes two or three at a time. Despite the reinforcements, a handful of Lunas still managed to pull me off the carousel and send the bag flying into the mob. Graham watched the backpack slide across the dirt like a sack full of treasure. She bolted for it. I would have tried to beat her there, but more Lunas piled on and held me down. Graham shoved her way through the chaos, getting more excited the closer she got. I opened my mouth to warn everyone, but it was too late. 
She was bending down to pick it up. As her fingers touched the bag's strap, it suddenly vanished right before her eyes. See ya, Jack said, snatching it out of her hands. Jackson Taylor, Graham bellowed. Jack threw the backpack over his shoulders and sprinted for the carousel. He wouldn't, I thought. He grabbed onto the golden stallion and jumped from it onto the overhang. He was! Jack pulled himself onto the carousel's roof and started up the steeple. Graham screamed, Get the boy! And with that, dozens of Lunas dove for him. Jack climbed as fast as he could, but the Lunas were too fast. He wouldn't make it. The first Luna to reach him opened its fanged mouth and thump! The wings behind its head stopped flapping and it dropped with a spear in its back. Oliver flew in and yanked it loose before deflecting another charge with his two swords. Go! You're almost there! He said. He kicked and sliced Lunas down with everything he had. Jack climbed the last half of the pole to the empty glass case at the top. He reached into the backpack and pulled out the weak Orchid Queen. Please work, he prayed. The glass bulb had a little latch door on the side. Jack opened it and delicately laid the queen inside. A shockwave of light shot out from the bulb, instantly turning every Luna within 50 feet to dust. It flashed in Jack's eyes and blew him off the steeple. I watched, horrified, as he fell in what felt like slow motion. His skinny little legs kicked the air with nothing below them. When he finally landed, it was hard. So hard that I screamed at the top of my lungs and ran for him. Jack! The fighting around us stopped. Most of the fairies were now staring in awe at the queen's magnificent light, blaring from the bulb like a shining new star in the night sky. What was left of the Lunas retreated, but not without their queen. They picked Graham up by the arms and flew her back into the forest, kicking and screaming. Now she's mine! They're all mine! She yelled before disappearing into the trees. I reached Jack and leaned close to his face. He's not breathing! I screamed between sobs. Theo pushed me out of the way and immediately began CPR. I'd never seen it done in person before. I cried hysterically as I watched Jack's body barely budge with every chest pump from Theo's hands. Come on! Theo said, breathing and pumping for as long as he could. Come on, Jack! Breathe! Without me noticing, every orchid, tulip, and dandelion had encircled us. In an orb of light, the Orchid Queen floated down and fluttered over Jack's lifeless body. Theo finally stopped and moved out of her way, sweating and catching his breath. Gently, the Queen rested her hands over Jack's forehead and closed her eyes. A soft light started to glow under Jack's skin. It spread from his head down to his legs, growing brighter with every pulse. One by one, fairies began fluttering in and putting their tiny hands on Jack. His skin began to glow brighter and brighter until the last few fairies joined in and he was practically shining. The light was so bright I could hardly look at him. More light, and then a cough. Jack's head jerked forward as he gasped for his first breath. He's alive! I cried. I hugged Theo, I was so excited. Theo let out a sigh of relief. The fairies flew back, giving Jack space so he could get to his feet. His glow fading, Jack looked at himself, and then at all of us confused. 
What's everyone looking at? Jackie! I threw my arms around him and gave him a big kiss on the cheek. Jack's face turned bright red. Don't ever die again, I told him. I promise. Did you see me climb? He said proudly. I laughed. Are you kidding? Everyone saw you. You were like an orangutan up there. I gave him another kiss on the cheek and this time instead of blushing, he just smiled confidently. I waited for Lou to get grossed out and say something, but she didn't. Instead, I inspired her. She grabbed Pickles floating next to her and pulled him to her face. Wait, I don't think you should. He was interrupted by a long kiss from Lou's lips that took up his whole head. The kiss left the chubby fairy's hair standing straight up. Jack looked around. Where's Oliver? No one came forward. Oh no, what if he didn't make it? I whirled around looking for some sign of his shiny armor. There he is, Lou shouted. Limping back from the carousel was a life-size version of Oliver. When I say life-size, I'm talking as big or bigger than me. One of his wings had been clipped and he was growing. He mumbled to himself as he staggered towards us. Oliver! I ran up to him. He looked at me confused. Where am I? My heart sank. He was forgetting already. I have an idea, Theo said, holding up a finger. His ponytail bounced as he ran back to his booth and came back with the case of wings. He pulled one out and handed it to the queen. Will this work? The Orchid Queen looked it over. It just might, she said with a hopeful look. She flew behind Oliver and planted the little wing where his old one had been clipped. Once it was in place, the Queen flew back with the rest of us, and we all waited. Oliver shrugged. Nothing was happening. Suddenly, the little wing took root and sprouted into a long, beautiful wing. It fluttered off pixie dust as if shaking off a long night's sleep. And then, to all of our relief, Oliver started to shrink. Whoa! What's happening? He said, watching his limbs slowly become tiny. Try to relax, Oliver, the queen said softly. It'll all be over soon. Oliver continued to shrink until he was back to the size of every other fairy. There, that's better, the queen said. Oliver just sat on his butt in the dirt and looked at us confused. It'll take a while for him to get his memory back, the queen added. But with time, it should come. I think we stopped the growth just in time, thank the light. She looked at us and shook her head. A dirty, scruffed-up boy in overalls. A sweaty girl wearing a bedazzled glove. An old guy with a cane sword and a feisty little girl leaning on a baseball bat. I never thought I'd see the day, the queen said with a grin. I dare say, never have I seen a finer group of pixie knots.